Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Draper Goran Holm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Good morning, friends. Good morning to you too, meticulous magpie. Boom! Uh, we are live. I used the short uh, intro with my uh, meticulous magpie, which is one of, uh, or, or probably the only V friend I own um, uh, in uh, for Saul Data, uh, who's his first time on Blockchain Booze, because I know he's a big V friends uh, fan, and I get a lot of my V friends info from following him on Twitter. <laughs> uh, welcome to Blockchain Booze number one hundred and seven. Um, so 107 weeks straight of this craziness. Um, and I'm really excited for today because uh, we not only have Data on for the first time, we have Sharona on for the first time. Um, Sharona is a, a friend of mine based in Israel. She's up at 3 a.m. for us right now. I say for us, but she's like at a party. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I don't know about that. And um, we got Mr. Suit back as well. So this is going to be fun. I have a bunch of questions for all of them. But if you are uh, watching one of the live streams in one of the places like uh, Alina here uh, watching from uh, LinkedIn, go to uh, where is the thing? I'm not prepared. Meet.blockchainbooze.io because you can ask questions in the chat, hang out with people. Once we're done, you could go to tables and hang out. Um, it's, uh, it's a good time and we've got a great community and, and you should come hang out with us. Um, welcome guys. Blockchain booze number 107. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to have you. Um, so I'm looking at the, the chat here, but why don't we start Sharona your first off, tell us where you are. What's going on over there. That place looks too cool. I'm in my friend's studio. His name's David. He's one of the best artists in Tel Aviv. His whole uh, studio is covered in in paint. And there's about 30 people in the room next door. So sorry if it's a bit noisy. Um, It's 3 a.m. I'm also jet lagged. I just got back from the States. So I'm I'm technically in your time zone, even though I'm in a different time zone. And I'm really happy to be here with you. Love it. And... and, um... Okay, well, we'll come back. I'm going to ask you some questions about Dreamy and what's going on. But Saul, Data, welcome. First time on Blockchain Booze as well. I, I feel like it's way um, uh, uh, way overdue for our hang. Like, I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. You're part of the whole Fame Lady Squad saga and drama and craziness. But uh, tell us a, a tiny bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, super excited to be here. Seen a lot of my good friends on here and, and been fun watching that. But yeah, I'm 
on on Twitter known as Data, and I kind of cut my teeth in NFTs through BeFriends. Got more serious around the debacle of Family Squad, and then more recently, kind of thinking about some of the own, some of my own things that I'm doing, and I have a project coming up that is uh, still in stealth mode, but. Uh, and, you know, kind of my genesis story is all around providing people with data and information to help them succeed in the space, especially to kind of compete against larger players who might um, have more resources or information than others. So trying to equip the everyday person in with kind of the data they need to, to make those smart decisions. Yeah, I remember like early on and always in crypto, there's like too much information almost but that but it's still unless you were somewhat technical hard to go through all the information and then even then you know not even like just being good at sifting through data and stuff like that but like i remember needing some information on something and somebody sending me like a dashboard for like dune analytics and they were like just modify this slightly <laughs> and you'll get what you need and i'm like i'm starting i literally like had to like start googling like how to do like mysql queries and things that like i did at one point in my life know how to do but i don't really remember the exact syntax and what you have to do and you're like googling all this shit and it's such a pain in the ass but then like when you do meet somebody who uh, who does know how to do it, it's just like boom, they they can get it all. Um, it's it's pretty cool, and you know uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So I love it. Thank you, thank you for being here. I'm gonna have a lot of questions for you uh, specifically too on on some of that also. But also, I want to get a little more background on you and the fame lady drama too. It, but but Mr. Suit. Welcome back. I know, you know, midpoint launch since the last time, but um, you're also uh, uh, been a participant in the crypto space for, for a long time, even pre, pre-NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for having me back. Uh, welcome, Sharona. And that wasn't really a question. That was just... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I had like four sips. Okay. <laughs> been in crypto for like a couple of years. Uh, background is like, developer um engineer but yeah like uh it's been exciting since launching midpoint two weeks ago was it i don't i don't even know yeah a couple couple weeks ago now yeah yeah so now it's like nice actually working in the space officially versus just doing it on the side and spending all my free time on it um yeah. yeah it's 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 been really cool to see i think that there's a lot of things going on in terms of um just IP in in general, right? Like people have been talking about IP. Um, Sharona, you know, you you have, I'm sure, some insights from what you're doing from the artist perspective. We're talking about it on midpoint in relation to, you know, like the the bored apes, right? Like when when Boring Stone started, we took Mike Shinoda's ape and and Reaper, uh, our friend, created a full body for him, right? And here's a Where's my punk apestrom? Here's punk apestrom. Look at that. By the way, hey, is this the first time I've done blockchain boost since I got my glasses that look like him? <laughs> That's how nerdy I am. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, people are talking about taking their IP and taking their ownership, licensing it out, doing all sorts of really, really interesting things. Um, 
but I feel like it, it, there's been a little bit, it, there's some hype going on. We know we heard about Jason, uh, Jason, the ape, our friend getting the deal with G fuel. There's going to be a G fuel with his face on it. Um, we saw this week, uh, Coinbase did a casting call for apes, um, which was really interesting. If you get cast, they're going to give you like $10,000 to use your ape in, uh, in a, in a movie, I guess, or in a show. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. And, or, and or that's just the, good morning. Good morning. Serial this week. Did you see that? Oh, oh my God. How could I, we, we've been talking about that a lot. Bored Becky <laughs> on the GM serial. Uh, I, the mask they made um, and threw her, like had her run around all over, um, uh, all over, man, I, I should try to see if I can, while we're talking, I might try to grab that and bring it's it like all over Bitcoin Miami, right? Yeah, all over Bitcoin Miami. There's a picture of uh, Bored Becky. Um, they they created a like legit prosthetic style mask that you would use in like movies and stuff of Bored Becky's head, and they put it on some models and had them run around. Uh, you know, when I say models, that's the word they used when they did it. Just women that were running around um, uh, Bitcoin Miami, taking pictures with people and doing kind of publicity stunts. There was like a funny picture going around with Michael Saylor. Um, uh, and, and board Becky, um, which is just awesome because it shows that like I could goof around and make silly videos with punk ape strong and, and things like that. Right. And, and Jason could, could be a stoner ape with a whole body and, and Mike Shinoda's ape can be, you know, a cool looking ape or whatever. But all of a sudden you take that character that you've developed and it can be extended to the next brand and it can be used by somebody else, just like a cartoon character, right? Uh, or, or even a, a character, any kind of character, right? Like an actor can, can go and play. It's, it's pretty, um, pretty amazing and, and pretty fun. Um, so, oh, wait, I, I, I have somebody in the chat is asking something. And then I want to start, I wanted to start with asking Sharona about her project, but somebody just said, um, this is a big day for uh, for V Friends VF2. Did something uh, data? Do you want to update us on what's going on? Yeah, today yeah. I haven't checked in the last ten minutes, but today is the <laughs> first day that people on the friends list, which is their version of an allow list, can mint V Friends Series Two. Um, additionally, everyone who has a, a V Friends Series One will also get a free mint of the V Friends Series Two of the same character gas only transaction but it's a big day it's been delayed uh i think the first time i saw gary said you know it'll be within three hours at 11 a.m and now we're at 5 p.m so um got a little delay things go yeah get it right and have late then be buggy and be early yeah well it's also the the friends list right so it's not like it's an open just everyone coming in right right? there's 12 and a half days for people to mint so there's not a huge rush. There's time for people to wait for gas to settle down. So, but yeah, everyone in that uh, chat in that discord is on the edge of their seat. Yeah, I bet like that discord in general is just out of control. I'm not a big discord user because it's just so chaotic, but I'll get an alert that like, uh, you know, Gary V posts something and it's like, he uses the everyone tag and then I click on it and it's just buried and I can't even find the, the message he posted. Yeah. And maybe that's just my, you know, not being a great Discord user also, but it's just everything is buried. Um, it's wild. It's just constant. It's what, it's what you get with 350,000 Discord users. 
I know when, when we brought him on here, um, I remember, you know, somebody posted in the discord and then there's thousands of people who start, started sort of flooding the chat and asking questions and doing things. And it became uh, a little bit unmanageable at one point, but, but let's, let's jump into, uh, I want to hear about dreamy from you, Sharona. And, and speaking of launches, there was like actual space launches, weird, all sorts of shit going on. I want to hear, um, because we haven't had you on yet, and, and I want to hear about Dreamy. I want the, the community to hear about it. Um, thank you. Firstly, Saul, congratulations. Um, also, when we, uh, when we launched our open edition a few days ago, there were a few bugs at the beginning, so I relate to that, um, but everything comes in, in due time. Um, so as Alon mentioned, we've literally just launched our project that we've been working on for two years to space, to the International Space Station. Today, actually in the States, like for me no longer in my time zone, it's um, International Human Travel to Space Day. Um, it was uh, nine, in like 1960s that Yuri, the first person to travel to space, flew on April 12th. So that's a big day. And we collaborated with Axiom and the Rakia mission that is the first commercial uh, space flight to the International Space Station. And they've taken with them about 100 scientific experiments and our crazy art project. Um, so it's really, really exciting. It's going to be the first crypto art to actually be exhibited in the space station. And in short, the big dream, we've collected 50,000 dreams from around the world on how people want the world to be in the future. So we said to everyone, imagine the world 10 years from today. What's your dream? A lot of dreams about Mars and space and then a lot of dreams about climate change and mental health. And then with 60 artists in 60 different countries, we turn these dreams into 505 artworks. And these artworks are going to be projected in the space station in literally three days. And they're also on a flag that's been to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, Manaslu. It's been projected in London, Tokyo, Melbourne. Um, so the whole idea is like to bring the art also to the physical world as much as it is to bring it obviously into the digital world. So we're really excited about that. And our collage, like our open edition, um, launched a few days ago on Nifty Gateway. So that's still open for another 36 hours. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, somebody, where uh, it's on Nifty Gateway. I'll, I'll find the link and get yeah. it into the, awesome. into the chat. Yeah. So if anybody is also, by the way, watching in all those other places, go to meet.blockchainboost.io and I'll make sure to share all these things in the chat. Um, Sharona, this has been a, a long time coming because you've had a, you know, art platform, um, you know, pre-NFTs pre really being a thing. But I remember talking to you about it on my last trip um, uh, pre-COVID when, mm -hmm. uh, when I went to London and went to Israel. And uh, for those of you, you know, the, the look behind the curtain, Sharona is a longtime friend of one of my cousins and she... Um, Sharona was telling us about, you know, you know, potentially transitioning the art platform. So tell us more about that and, and what's going on. So, yeah, I started Dreamy eight years ago, way before digital art was such a trend. Um, the idea behind Dreamy was to empower any of us. Like, I'm not an artist. I actually failed an art class. I'm very proud of that. Um, I got an F on my report card and obviously stuck in my mind for many years. 
Um, the idea of Dreamies to empower anyone to turn an idea or a dream or a memory into art at an affordable price. We connect you with an artist that you actually choose on the platform. And within a week, you get a completely customized work of art sent to your house on a yoga mat, on a print, on your phone case. And the whole idea of Dreamy within like the marketplace model was to actually reproduce some of the art created. So to empower the original creators, the dreamers, as we call them, to actually commission art, send in crazy stories that they have, and then reproduce that art and sell it onwards, which obviously in the NFT world is very much like the secondary sales. Um, so like non-artists were suddenly creating art, making money from their own imagination and continuously commissioning new art, which was like our whole goal with Dreamy, which basically started when I was just like fed up of seeing selfies. And I was just like, this cannot be our generation. We have to leverage this crazy tool that we were all born with, which is the imagination. And that's where Dreamy started. And now thanks to NFTs, obviously digital art has exploded for the better. And I think a lot of kind of what, you know, if you think about the way we interact with like the NFT community and stuff like that, like, um, I think it is, it's interesting that you, you did like this, this platform where people can commission art from legit artists and pre pre NFTs, people didn't think of them as collectibles or as these one-off things. They thought about them for phone cases and whatever, but they, they thought, you know, let's get some unique like bespoke art whatever commissioned but like in the nft community it's kind of the first time i ever saw people actually like commissioning art in in such a way right like i i, I use i show this stuff but like the first original um i don't have it on here um but you know the the punk ape strong that where he's um where he's sitting on a stool or whatever playing the guitar not this one but the other one that reaper made for me I literally saw somewhere on Twitter an ape that had a body. And I was just like, oh, shit, that's cool. I got to get a body for my ape. And so I started searching around and I found the collection on OpenSea somehow that, that Reaper had made a few different things. And I, I reached out to him and I had to make it. And like, uh, Matt, you know, Mr. Suit, you, I, I know that you have a bunch of derivative works of, of Mr. Suit and, and some of your uh, apes and things. And I've done it with my fame lady. Um, and, and I think that like, it's such a cool thing uh, because I, I don't know, it's, it's not, it used to not be the realm of like the everyday random people to go and get art made. It used to be the space of like, you know, the wealthy people or the, the gallery owners and the, the things like that. It's, it's kind of flipped uh, and, and a big part of it is NFTs, right? I think as well, another amazing analogy is like one in three millennials now are getting tattoos. And I think that's like a great analogy for creating art for yourself. You know, like I don't personally have any tattoos, but I love tattoos. And I think that's the equivalent in today's age. We all want to express something that's important to us, whether, you know, it's, me being on Mars or me swimming under the ocean or just like a quote that I love. And I think the fact that tattoos are increasing in consumption is, is the equivalent of why more and more people are also creating NFTs. I mean, they're, they're another category of artists that's probably getting a lot more uh, uh, love uh, over the last few years, right? Because of the trend. I think Mr. Suit, you were about to say something. I, I was just saying, I totally agree. Like, I think especially in our generation or like the younger generations it's like buying a piece of art in terms of like a traditional painting or anything isn't as 
you can't share that with your friends or family as much, but everyone lives online and everyone lives, most, most younger people live digitally. So like having that as your profile picture, having that represent you and basically express how you view the world or how you see yourself is I think like a really cool avenue to like why NFTs and why I think digital art has taken off recently. Well, I think like to your point too, it's so much about identity, right? So like traditional art, which may hang in your house is seen by very few, right? And this, you know, to some is, can be a reflection of your identity, but when you're talking about tattoos or custom, you know, um, done sneakers or vans that you see all over the place or NFTs, it's so much more public facing. It says something about you. And for me, that's what's so powerful about the space, right? It's the ability to have something, this art that isn't just an image. It, it tells a story. It tips off to people kind of who you are, what you're about, what community you're in, right? It's, you know, it's, it's so much bigger than the image it is. It's, it's the kind of like the culture around it. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting too. Like we, um, I, I think I've, I've mentioned this for sure before and, and there's every single community is different and there's some more accessible than others. And some, you know, started off being, being really easy to access some not. And, and, you know, but like, if you look at like board apes as just this, this example of, of how valuable community can be, um, is you know we we talk about v friends and and we'll see what happens at vcon but you just talked about 350,000 people in the in the chats but but there is you're totally right it's tied to identity and and the community is is extremely valuable the only person who saw it in in such a, a extreme way in in sort of my circle was with John from Lunar Crush who I said like a few months ago told me um that bored apes are Facebook's biggest threat. And, and I laughed at him at the time, but because he said it like six months ago. Um, and, uh, and, but he, what Lunar Crush does is follow the social metrics and, and look at what's going on and follow the growth of community and the engagement of community. And he, uh, he, he called it, right? Like you, you see what's going on. Facebook is dying to launch the metaverse. And today, all of the news about it was complete shit because they want to charge like 47% to creators uh, on their platform, which is just absurd. It's worse than, it's worse than Apple, right? Like, oh, broke the glass here. Um, but it's, it's absolutely crazy. Hey, um, Mr. Suit, go for a second. I'm going to mute myself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. Like 40 like I know people were up in arms about the whole Coinbase only paying ten apes ten thousand dollars to license their ape, but then like you you turn around and look at Coinbase and they're charging forty what almost fifty percent of all sales just for the ability to use their platform and create on their platform, which I mean I'm sure Sharon you have a lot of strong opinions are as uh, on as an artist so it's like. I mean, it's very much like that model is like so in parallel with how galleries used to work. And then it's like, well, how are we innovating if that's the commission we're taking? Like in Dreamy from day one, eight years ago, I always set out to give the artist 80%. Dreamy makes 20%. We've been transparent about it. And I think like going back to Alon's point right at the beginning about IP, I think that's also a huge incentive to always ensure that the artists involved 
feel like it's their art as much as it's like rather than it's just like you're being commissioned like I've spoken to some friends who work in Fiverr it's like like that's like their most such term in the last year obviously NFT but it's like an artist is going to be 10 times more motivated knowing that they have a higher commission so at the end of the day you want the artist to be the co-creator rather than the person that you're just commissioning um so I think definitely like taking more than 30% is is not enabling a sustainable partnership in in the art world which is all about co-creation um yeah so i'm all for giving the artists more rather than less for everyone benefiting i think that there's been a few really cool examples of it in the nft space where the thing it's not just giving them a higher percentage but giving control and, you know, there's always going to be certain marketplaces that are gated and have want to have their own vibe and do things in their own way. And that's I think that's totally fine. But there's so many, you know, open platforms here. Right. Like, you know, um, I, it's one of the things that I loved about the Tezos community right away. The Tezos got a weird sort of art community that came out of the. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy just had the best stupid joke uh, in the chat. Uh, I shouldn't say stupid, but the best like dad style joke, which is my favorite kind. He said, um, they were talking about the broken glass. He says, should go with shards, the new single from Punk Ape Strong. Um, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but right, the, this, the, the Calament and the hen community on Tezos stemmed from the, the, crazy insane gas fees right like we think about gas fees when you transact a lot and you're talking about high volume stuff it's like this necessary evil but when gas fees were a dollar we were talking about how insane they were right like and now they're when they're 20 dollars, we're like oh gas is cheap but like you can't it's not sustainable and i used to give this example like you know uh um uh my cousins and I and my friends like we all used to live in in this or my cousin used to live in this cul-de-sac and all over the neighbors all the boys and would be trading um uh baseball cards and comic book cards and comic books imagine if every time we wanted to trade one card for another card one of our parents jumped in between us and said hey each of you need to give me a dollar right like we would have not been able to trade cards right like that was the whole point of trading um, and, and it completely destroys, um, you know, these high fees destroys the, the individual artists because most artists in most places are happy to, to make 10 bucks, 20 bucks, you know, on, on a piece of their art, or especially when it's digital, when they could fractionalize it and sell it to, let's say 10 or 20 people. Um, but when the gas fee can be more expensive than their sale, it's, it, even if though it's not a personal thing, it's just the, the network and it's nobody's technically taking advantage of it, it feels wrong, right? And and it feels even worse when somebody like Facebook wants to say, hey, we're giving you this wonderful platform. And you know what? There's a very high likelihood, at least in the short term, it will be one of the biggest platforms. And, uh, and then they're going to take half of the fees. And maybe they'll apologize after this and they'll go and take what Apple takes. They'll take 30%. And then, you know, uh, but it's still not, it's not okay. And it doesn't, the whole point of this industry to empower, right? To create a borderless world um, and, and hopefully, you know, create these um, open places for, for artists to, to innovate and do cool things and go direct to their consumers, right? Um, you know, um, no, somebody said, well, 
you got to be careful with uh, Tezos. I'm just somebody in the chat saying that you don't really own the NFTs. What you have to just know is, is you know, just like like Ethereum and just like the, the better blockchains, you can see the data, you can see what you own and what you don't. And it's important that you use platforms and you buy NFTs that you actually understand and trust the, the back end. And you want to use ones that are hosted in like IPFS and places like that and not in other places because you don't want, you know, Mr. Suit to stop paying his uh, Amazon bill and then your NFT turned into, you know, that broken image uh, picture that that I don't think actually really exists anymore, but they used to use in old browsers. Um, uh, but um, by the way, anybody in the chat, feel free to throw uh, throw any uh, questions in the Q&A and upvote any questions you think are cool. Um, you know, Matt, you, you know, Midpoint launched it, you know, focused on, on the NFT IP and everything, but, but, I know as a supporter, you know, of a, of a player in the community, right? Do you collect much sort of fine art style NFTs? Do you collect sort of the, the one of one different style things? I know like, you know, Crypto Painter does interesting thing with apes and things like that. And, and, and I find myself collecting mostly those kind of things lately, but do you do any of the fine art stuff where, where do you participate in those? So, so that's kind of what brought me back into NFTs. Um, I wouldn't say that like one of ones at the time, because they were kind of expensive, but people was actually the one that got me back into NFTs. I started with his uh, open editions just because I loved the art. And I thought him bringing the digital back into the physical with the infinite, and infinite objects was really cool. And so that's kind of what pulled me back in. And then I kind of eventually got into like the, you know, generative profile picture art, like Board Ape Yacht Club, CryptoPunks. And now I'm kind of like in between. I like a little bit of everything depending on what the project is and the the founders and things like that. But like, I, I wanna explore more art. It's just, it's hard because I'm not too familiar with like art and I think like going back to your point on this is always like an argument I like to have because I feel like it's an not popular opinion is people complain about gas fees but I feel like it's a good filter for eliminating like spam and trash like like remember when I sent that first polygon drop and I pissed off a lot of people and now we get like a hundred of those a day yeah you were like the first, but, but like at the same time, it's like, you're forcing people to commit. Like, I, I think obviously gas is yeah. too high, but like you're forcing people to commit to yeah. something by putting like ETH or something up front by making that transfer. And it's showing that you're here for the long term versus like, you know, Polygon, which is almost free where you can just spam and send like copies of the same thing that like you put no effort in. To a hundred, like to millions. Yeah, I think I think that there, you know, it's it's sort of a feature, right? More than it is a bug, but the what it creates is opportunities for the um, open seas and zerions of the world and rainbows of the world to to learn how to filter things out, right? Um, 
yeah, BB Studios in the chat is saying people's potato, right? Like I remember one of we were talking about spam and I talked about like what the I started going through live while we we're on blockchain booze my wallet and I was like, what the hell is this shit? The people's potato. I've got like a bunch of them. And then it turned out to be a really cool and interesting project. And we got the founder of it on the show the next week to explain to us what they were doing. And there's even like some some weird some weird experiments on Tezos, you know, that I think Sibu uh, uh, did where he he actually like simulated like the spread of coronavirus by dropping Corona NFTs in people's wallets and showing how like when they interacted, it spread or something like all these things are doable only when transaction fees are really, really low. And I think that, you know, I think there needs to be some barriers to entry um, beyond just the, the technical ones. Um, but at the same time, we just have to be careful to not like stifle innovation and make the good guys feel bad, right? Like that was my argument when I dropped the, uh, the, the blockchain booze um, image in every single person's wallet. Because if I wouldn't have done it, this would have been a legit thing I wanted to share with everyone and give everyone some sort of proof they participated. I gave everyone a wearable Decentraland hat with my, uh, my Punk Ape Strong hat that I gave everyone. And I could have, I was a little bit scared not to do it. But at this point, I, I feel like I got enough street cred to tell people like, hey, I don't care. But, but I don't want other people that are doing interesting and cool things to not do it because they're scared to maybe, you know, anger someone or be called a spammer or something like that when they're doing something innovative. Because later on those innovative projects that nobody really knew about or cared about sometimes become really cool and interesting experiments. Um, you know, I think we've all been airdropped something we didn't know was coming and it turned out to be something pretty cool. Um, you know, I know I have at least. Um, so, I mean, Saul, you look at, at you, you analyze a lot of the data, a lot of the communities, you're constantly um, sharing some really, in my opinion, important things to be looking out for in, in communities and things like that. Um, you know, what's, what's, you know, from the perspective of spam and airdrops and things like that, what's, what's your perspective on that part of it? Right. The like, you know, it's tough, right? Because, and I actually never track this down, but because of the, and I'm not sure if this is confirmed, so I'll call it rumored airdrops that if you interacted with them, they drained your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> airdrops are just so tough, right? Yeah. Unless you're part of a project and like gutter cut gang, yeah. airdropped a piece of art every two weeks, every month. So I have all these derivatives, same with World of Women, right? And like, okay, I know where that's coming from. That's legit. But well, you know what, though, I don't live in the world of women discord. And I looked at my hidden, you know, stuff on, right. on OpenSea. And I saw a bunch of these that said world of women, but I wasn't sure and I had to then go look. Yeah. So if you're not one of the really active community members, it looks like spam and it looks like something they're trying to trick you with. Also, that's where that's yeah. where the issue around verified projects come, comes in, right? Yeah. If OpenSea were to hire enough people to verify projects more quickly, right, we, we would we could yeah. kind of stymie a lot of those issues before they even start um you know in terms of like issues with ethereum gas prices um you know it's tough right because we're kind of locked in like i i don't i've 
looked on Solana. I have some Tezos, like Tezard and Tezos, which I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just hung out with the Tezard crew. Uh, they're pretty cool. Although nice. I, uh, or, or the Tezard crew and the Atez crew, or Atas, uh, however they want to say it. Um, I'll, I'm going to have them back on the show soon. They're, they're, they're doing some fun stuff. Uh, but my issue is if I want to go dabble in those chains, I have to swap currency, which costs gas. Yep. <laughs> Right. And then if I, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky in terms of the collection I have of NFTs, but I'm by no means a huge whale with unlimited liquidity. Right. So like when I'm putting liquidity onto another chain, it means I can't use it in Ethereum. Yeah. When that snipe or that epic steal comes up or that, you know, whatever it might be, I I don't have the ETH to do it. So I'm always hesitant to be swapping ETH out to other things just because I'm, I'm focusing my time and attention here. And so until someone can figure that out and maybe open C with supporting Solana NFTs, everyone's talking about Solana today. It's been popping yeah. up all over in my discord on Twitter, et cetera. Yeah. I'm actually but, a little bit embarrassed. I haven't experimented enough on Solana. So uh, there's some big projects. There's some really big projects over there. And so, you know, it's just, it's the issue is where we're invested in the ETH ecosystem until it's, yeah. it's easy for us to, to port out of that somewhere else or until there's critical mass elsewhere, right? Uh, it's, we're, I think we're stuck with ETH. I think our saving grace could be some sort of layer two solution, right? So you see uh, Gary V using Immutable X, which is a layer two solution, and Token Trove is the marketplace that they use on that layer two, which is all gasless transactions, right? So yeah. one, cheaper, two, way more environmentally uh, sound, um, but if you've ever used Token Trove, it's missing some key features. You know, I, I understand I've built products for my entire life. It's tough to build products at scale and I have the utmost sympathies for them and I can be patient, but it's just not quite prime time, right? Yeah. So that that's, layer that's two- a big problem with so much of it. I mean, even even the best, you mentioned OpenSea, even the best, most mature products on Ethereum are like, you know, V1s of, of what products should actually be. And part of that is we're, we, we've gated ourselves with MetaMask and things like that, which are also not really products that are ready for, for mass consumption, but they kind of are because they're, they're our only choice and they're kind of hacked together and shoestrings yeah. and bubble gum at this point. Yeah, it's tough. So, you know, I, I think layer two could be that solve if someone can can really nail it. Like right now I can transfer from layer two to layer one, but I can't transfer the layer one to layer two. So meaning if I buy one of Gary V's book games tokens, yeah. I can sell it on OpenSea on layer one Ethereum, but it's useless because I can't use his burning mechanisms on layer two. It's a little bit more complex, but uh-huh. I think we're all coalescing around the same issue, right? This is unsustainable for many reasons. And there has to be a better solution out there. Some have been touting Ethereum 2.0, right? Of yeah. the patches supposedly been in the works for yep. long and Coinbase has been promising NFTs. So we'll see. I'm trying to remember if I'm a, what I'm allowed to say publicly or not, <laughs> um, because I've, I've had a bunch of conversations with some of these Tezos projects. But one of the things that I actually pitched a ton of Tezos projects and people in the Tezos community for a long time was that if you look at one of the most popular wallets that people use, at least for their public facing Tezos transactions, it's called the Kukai wallet. You you actually authenticate into it. You log into it with your Twitter account. And that doesn't make the most secure blockchain wallet um, for really expensive assets, but it does make it really convenient for like, I can send anybody directly to their um, Twitter account 
uh, handle an NFT, right? And it just, they obfuscate the, the, the complicated part and, and they make it kind of easy to transact. And I always said, you know, why don't we, um, why don't we fork Kukai or not fork Kukai? Maybe we can ask them to do it. I actually ran it locally on my computer and I got it working um, by going into their open source code and, and it was hacked together and ugly. So I would never, probably not very secure, but all I did was instead of logging in using your, um, your, uh, your Twitter account, I logged in by signing an Ethereum transaction. And I proved that I'm the owner of an ETH wallet. And now all of a sudden, you can have a, a Tezos wallet that's connected to an Ethereum wallet. So all of a sudden, for example, I could do a Tezos drop of some cool NFTs and airdrop it to every single person who holds a Fame Lady Squad. And, all, and, and now all of a sudden, I can bring in that community and teach them about Tezos and do some cool things like that and, and vice versa. And, you know, when you tie the wallets, it's, it's a little bit similar to how on Rarible, on your account on Rarible, you can have a Tezos wallet and you can have an Ethereum wallet connected to the same account. But, but this is more tied, you know, together. And I think there's some things like that. And what I just learned is a project on Tezos um, will be announcing soon some, some uh, partnership with another group that built on Ethereum or one of the layer twos. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to take the NFT from Tezos blockchain and play with it maybe in a metaverse or maybe on a platform uh, on Ethereum, um, which is really, really fun because I think those interoperable things fix some of this problem because it's just like our web browsers, right? Like this website, I'm looking at StreamYard, which is streaming into Remo through the YouTube integration. But on StreamYard on my computer, there's probably six different programming languages that are that are interacting with each other to be in my chrome web browser right like there and there's html there's css there's javascript there, there's all sorts of other things going on in the browser and i think that's what's going to happen when these places mature right like the wallet's going to show a sol nft versus a tezos nft versus an ethereum one right have you, have you heard about layer zero at all it's something that came up for me this week no, no. So layer zero is prom promising to be an interoperable omni-channel NFT, right? So basically yeah. it is Ethereum, Solana, Tezos, anything they support all at the same time. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I've done some poking around and haven't, other than the chatter and people talking about how exciting it is, I haven't really dug into like what the technology is like. Yeah. But I, you could see something like that, which is, you know, some sort of universal, I don't know, standard or, or way to yeah. pass between blockchains as a potential solve to some of these issues. Yeah, I always thought about it as, you know, people that want to do really hardcore interoperable stuff kind of wrapping into the next chain, right? Like you can wrap Ethereum onto Tezos right. and take that wrapped ETH and then swap it on Tezos to uh, the token you need. Or, or use it on, on Tezos that way, or the other way around, take your Tezos, take your whatever assets you have on um, on Tez, and then wrap it onto Ethereum, and, and some bridges that, that kind of will do that work behind the scenes for you and do kind of a swap. Um, but it's people, people are, um, there's some interesting things, like you can wrap your Bored Ape or your Mutant and put it onto Tezos, but then there's nothing to do with it, right? Like if there was a thriving marketplace on Tezos that, could save you from gas fees and maybe i'd wrap all of my all of my fame ladies so that i could you know transact on on tezos but there isn't yet right 
Um, I think uh, it'll be, I think the whole space has to mature to know where, where things are going. Sharona, um, that, that, that actually, um, going back to you, the, your uh, NFTs, what platform are they, uh, are they minted on? Um, what, what blockchain? Um, so the open edition, the collage is, is on Nifty Gateway. Um, but we, I think I've heard of what you mentioned, Sol, for the DAO. We're creating a DAO. Um, and someone was suggesting that for us because we want to enable everyone who's purchased an open edition collage to actually join the DAO. And we're going to be donating to different NGOs based on the dreams submitted. So we actually have a cool dream map, which logs all the dream data um, based on like all the common trends of dreams. And then we want to enable everyone to actually vote on which nonprofits to donate to. Um, the one of one we're going to be doing with Nifty Gateway as well. And the one of one is actually like a, a new model in which whoever buys the video that's going to be projected in space, they'll also then become the curator. So not just the collector. And then they can choose the 500 pieces, which ones they want to mint and where. Um, so there's 500 artworks, as I mentioned in this project, and we want whoever will become the one of one owner to actually have that decision. Um, and so that will be exciting because maybe some of the pieces will be minted on one platform, another one on another, like they'll have full co-ownership with the artists of the 500 individual pieces. So we're excited about that and seeing like into which other platforms and worlds it evolves into. But for me, it's been really interesting as well, bringing a lot of non-NFT friends um, into our project and really creating just like video tutorials on like MetaMask and like how to do this. And everyone said to me how much less intimidating they thought than they thought it would be. It was. Um, so that's been really refreshing. But definitely in terms of like where to where to put your art, people have millions of questions constantly. Yeah, I think I think that's a big um, differentiator in, in really legitimate big projects, right? I think the best projects that that one, if they had a community before they launched, the ones that actually, you know, created tutorial videos and, and taught their community how to participate do do significantly better. Um, but that's also just the fact that they, you have an existing community and, and some of the most successful projects, you know, are, are smart in that they build a community before they just do some kind of drop and, and hope it works out, right? Um, it's a very different um, approach. Um, so, you know, I'm going to try to jump. I'm going to tell everyone who's watching. There's a lot of people on the stream and there are some people behind uh, backstage um, go to meet.blockchainbooze.io. These last 15 minutes or so, I'm going to ask some questions from the audience. So feel free to throw in questions in the QA. Um, and uh, once we're done, you'll be able to turn on your camera and hang out at tables with, uh, with the rest of the community if it's something you're interested in. Um, yeah, I think uh, some of the, the people are chatting that there's a bit of a like, like you're saying, Sharona, I think that the, the hurdle is a little less actually technical because we all use a million different apps and products all the time. I think it's, it's a little bit more mental, right? Like you just heard the word blockchain. It sounds so complicated. They talk about, you know, you're going to need Ethereum for the gas fee. And it's like something that if you've never done it before, you've never heard about, it, it just sounds so complicated. But once you do it once or twice or watch somebody do it, it's it doesn't it's not that 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 crazy right um so i've got one question here uh sharona somebody's asking um 
is is it too late um, to get uh, their NFT included in your uh, open edition stuff? Um, so for this project, yes, uh, because it's actually it wasn't pre-existing art. Like each artist chose ten dreams from the dream database that they connected to, oh, okay. and turned those dreams into art. Um, so it's not like all of the art's completely made from scratch for the big dream. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so it's like I put a dream into the, into the, into the pot and then the artist went through it and went like, wow, I love that dream. I'm going to create something just based on that. Exactly. And, um, we definitely are looking for more artists for the future. Um, but in terms of also like the space stuff, we needed to close everything with NASA like four months ago. There's a lot of rules on NASA's side. So for any artists that want to send something to space, I can definitely give you advice for the next project. Um, but for this one, everything was closed already. Cool. Where can they go for, you know, I think we shared in the chat the link to Nifty Gateway, but um, where can they go to hear about next future things like that? Um, so big.dree.me and then there's like a contact tab and you'll be talking to me or the community manager, Crystal. And we'll be happy to hear from artists for future projects. Cool. Um, this is uh, this is a pretty good question. I think both. You, I mean, maybe I'll point it towards Saul because I think a lot of the the your fellow V friends and a lot of the the fame lady community, it, it feels like it was their first NFTs, right? Like it feels like they're both projects where people. You know, I know that when I bought Fame Ladies, I grabbed my daughter, I put her in my lap and I asked her if we should buy these things because I was so excited for the story, right? Like this is an all female led team, you know, and, and we need to like we need to check this out. And, and my daughter was so stoked. And then, of course, all the drama. But but that, I think, created a lot of brand new NFT holders. Um, this question is, is, is there a specific place that you know of or a one stop shop um, to learn about how to mint an NFT, buy, sell, how the process works. Good question. You know, I, I so it, it's an interesting point, right? Those net, those net new individuals for projects. I find that projects who have more net new individuals tend to be stronger and stick around longer because you're less likely to sell your very first NFT, right? So be free friends, fame ladies are great examples. I, I think you also see that with Boss Beauties. And uh, Dapper Dinos is like an incredible example of a crazy strong community because they brought in a lot of individuals. In terms of resources, I always point people to Gary V, right? Gary has really developed a ton of content around this to help people doing it. And he's been, you know, he's probably single-handedly brought more people into the space than anyone besides maybe Bored Apes as a community. So he has a lot of great content. NFT Ignition has a site too. Um, That's what I was actually just looking up. I was yeah, like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to multitask, but if you, you know, she is really responsive in general. So <laughs> you go to her on Twitter and ask her a question. She will usually point you in the right direction. Sorry, Danielle, for sending a gajillion people your way, but, uh, she, I mean, that's really one of her big goals yeah. too. Danielle is awesome. Um, I'm trying to look. She, I know, I know that she had launched a website at one point with a lot of the basics. So I was trying to trying to find it, but um, I'll I'll have her. There's a oh, good excuse to remember to have her back. Um, uh, it looks like it's now coming soon. I think they're doing an overhaul. Yeah, there is nftignition.com also, where I'm sure she'll update it when she gets it up and. Her and um, Ashley, uh, aka Board Becky, have have an awesome podcast as well. 
um, from the blockchain that um, that you should all check out. Um, now we're uh, we're getting close on time. I think I grabbed the the main questions here. There's a couple of updates. This is not a question. Um, all right. <laughs> I, there's an interesting question here in the comments. Like, why do NFTs have to be so expensive? Seems like only. Oh yeah, let's grab this one. To buy. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, I think it's it's easy to think that because the projects that everyone sees are the expensive ones. But I will tell you, there are so many amazing projects out there that are cheap. I, I call cheap under point one, right? So point one yeah. is, you know, uh, three hundred bucks, right? Um, but you know, point zero. 005, you know, like there's yeah. all sorts of great ones out there. And so I think that, yeah, if you want to get into a, an elite project, it's going to be expensive because you know it's high. I think there is a bit to what, what you were saying, Mr. Suit on the, the, you know, the, almost the, the gas fees being a gate um, there that does get in the way. I think it's kind of like, you know, people used to talk about startups and tech startups and like every tech startup raises $20 million. Like, you know, because that's what it looks like if you read TechCrunch all day long, right? And that was the website everyone would read. And you'd be like, oh, every startup gets into Y Combinator and the next day gets $100 million, <laughs> right? But that's not actually how, how it is. V Friends and Bored Apes and World of Women get all of these headlines because of how insane it is you know in terms of how their their price and and yeah and it's project based is is um is is absolutely it and but there's so many projects fame lady squad is a good example of a project that for months you could have got in for a very very low entry point and started collecting if you had learned about it and, and whatever and then over time if the project adds value and gets is exciting and people want to participate in that community the price might go up, but you have to remember also, you know, it's kind of like comic books and baseball cards. So yes, you want the thing you collect to go up in value, but if it's not something you want to collect, don't collect it. Don't do it just because you think it's going to go up in value because one, that's not fun anymore, at least for most people. Um, uh, and the whole point, in my opinion, should be that you're having fun. It's either fine art and something special that you would love to hang on your wall. And that's why you bought it speaks to you. Um, or it's a community you really, really want to engage in. And I'll tell you, I was biased against V friends, for example, because I've known Gary V through just the internet YouTube videos for 10 years now and, or, or more, right. Uh, since I worked at MySpace in like 2008, right? Like I remember him doing something. I remember at one point it was 2008, 2010, at the very beginning of him claiming that people on YouTube were going to earn a living on YouTube and everyone laughed at him like he was a freaking idiot. So I get that he was ahead of his time and I get that he has a big following, but to me, he was like a YouTuber influencer kind of person, mostly because I just didn't know who he actually was. Then I had him on this show and I watched his community the week before the show, during the show, the week after the show. And I just went, holy crap, I want to be a part of this club. And I bought a V friend. And I thought I paid way over price at the time too, because I was just so excited to be a part of the community, but I held it. It's worth more now. It might be worth less later, but I'm happy to be a part of that community. And that's why I'm, I'm holding, I'm getting a ticket to VCon because of it um, and, and things like that. So, you know, I think that's the, um, 
that that's where we, we kind of are at here. Miss, Mr. Suit, I know that, you know, um, you've been a little quiet today, uh, but, but we, we talked a lot about midpoint the other day, but, you know, from a community standpoint, I mean, you're, um, I think you minted your apes, right? You were there at the beginning, but yeah. what, what got you excited about that? And, and how do you feel, you know, in that sense, right? Like it's easier said than done. And I can point at you uh, and be like, well, yeah, you can say that all day, but you minted an ape. Um, but like, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. To Saul's point is like anything below what point one he was 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 anything.